Welcome, welcome back to DB in the Heave. You got me, DB, in Houston, Texas, as always. And you got the Heave, as always, in Denver, Colorado, on this sure. awesome Sunday night. Heavester, how's it going, bro? Feeling pretty good. Football's back. We love it. We love it. We love it. I know it's week zero. Everybody's uh, not really. I think I think everybody's just happy to see football games that matter. I think we should just get right into it. We're, we're going to have to cram a lot of stuff in with playoff baseball coming up. I mean, it's an exciting time. I'm stoked. NCAA and then obviously uh, our gentleman's bet. We'll talk about that too. But yeah, everything's well. Everything's good. Weather's turning here in Colorado. It's a, it's a great day to be alive. Real quick before we hop into it, is this the best time of year for sports because you kind of have every major sport either wrapping up in the playoffs or starting, and it's just if you're a sports fan, there's something to watch every day. Is that you? Would you agree with that? I think we got a little. I, I think we got a few few weeks before we're at in that in that time, but we're we're getting really close. We're getting really close. I think in three weeks. I mean, it's it's sports sports fans' dream here. Uh, I would say that, you know, you got the basketball guys. I mean, obviously that stuff starts in October. So I would say October with playoff baseball, but we're, we're, we're ramping up because football is kind of, you know, we, we know what these teams are doing uh, after September, the first week in September or the first uh, couple weeks in September teams are actually have in the NFL, have some, have some stuff underneath their belt NCAA. We're starting to get into the conference schedules. So I would say October but man, uh, I'm, you know, from what we were dealing with in June and July, whenever we first started this thing, which was kind of nice because we're able to get our bearings and kind of, you know, the training wheels are coming off and hopefully everybody's enjoyed our experimental things that we're doing here and just trying to trying to feel our way through it. But it's hot and heavy and it's coming, baby. Yeah. And for us, experimental, experimental, I'm sorry. Uh, check out the next pod for sure. There's going to be some details. We are going to do the Survivor League. There's going to be the details of how to get into the Survivor League on the next pod. We'll remind you again on social medias as well. But tune in there so you can get in. And we're going to have a couple cool little prizes for you guys. That'll be something fun for everybody to be involved in. We're trying to figure out something to get the listeners involved and something for just everybody. You know, try and do something a little bit different. And I know a lot of pods don't do things like this, but... I, we figured this is something different, and as we're growing, let's get our fans and everybody involved. Yeah, absolutely. We always want the fans involved, and uh, everybody wants to listen. We appreciate viewership, or not viewership, but uh, everybody listening. And, uh, you know, we're, the training wheels are coming off, so to speak, and uh, I'm excited, and uh, I know you are too, DB. I know. I, I wish uh, if you go back – Maybe skip the first episode. Why don't you just catch us up where we're at now? Because uh, there's been a lot of growth between in those 12 episodes that we've had. But anyway, let's get right into college football. I know we had some picks that we gave you guys. My solid pick was the San Diego State Aztecs. They covered. They won. I ended up sprinkling a little bit on a money line. I got them a really good odds on money line. Notre Dame covered. Notre Dame won. I said they're, again, a winner. You nailed the USC over. That was your favorite play, and that one hit. I think I, I, think I was. I think I was on the under. The, the under two. Sorry to interrupt. The under two on the uh, Notre Dame game. Uh, yes. That was a little. That was a little sweat job. But uh, yeah, I wasn't expecting three points from Navy. But uh, man, uh, that 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 hit too. Let's I'm, talk I'm, about I'm that stoked. game for a bit, man. Because Navy, they tried to throw in some of their new wrinkles. It wasn't working too well. 
it sounds like they're about a year away from getting those in and with the new players that they've got to get. Navy's not a place where you're going to get tons of transfers. They're not going to kill it in the transfer portal. They're not getting all of the top recruits. I'm Again, I'm cheering for all of our service academies. These are guys that are going to be protecting our country and everything else. Not going to get political on anything along those lines, but they're young men that are going out there doing that for the country. So always cheering for them. They try to do everything. They switched to the quarterback that had more success against Notre Dame last year. Still didn't work. Notre Dame, from where they were last year when they played Navy to now, and it was towards the end of the season, maybe they had a little more time to prepare for the triple option, and it worked out better for them. But Notre Dame looked solid, and Hartman looked good in their first in his first start with the Golden Domers. So I, I know I watched most of the game. I missed a little bit towards the end. Flipped over to some Astros, but did you have a chance? I know you watched it too. What were your thoughts? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Notre Dame, I pretty much watch every game with them. I mean, they're on national television. Plus, we're, we're trying to hit everybody with, with a broad stroke. Uh, you know, that's why I like to talk about Yankees. I catch a lot of flack about it, talking about the Yankees on here. But, I mean, there's a lot of Yankee fans that, you know, it, it's just something. You can only talk about so many teams, and Notre Dame fits into that bill. I think the Cowboys do, as you know, the Cowboys are, are kind of in that in that realm too. A lot of people talk about them, a lot of national exposure. But so Notre Dame, obviously, I watch. You know, it's not just because I'm a team, I'm a fan of the Cowboys, or if I'm a fan of the Yankees, it is that they are the national exposure teams. Uh, everybody likes, you know, has an opinion on them. I'm not going to say likes them or dislikes them. I think you hit the nail on the head, DB. I think they had so much time with it being the opening day weekend, traveling to Dublin. It's a big game. I mean, obviously, because it's on week zero, uh, it's Notre Dame football, and, and just the triple option. I mean, it, it just doesn't work anymore. I mean, I mean, guys are so much faster on defense that they can figure it out. You know, it, it's something that I mean, th- this is kind of some offense. I'm not saying there's wrinkles in the triple option that aren't there, but I mean, in the Pee Wee football, they start by running the ball, and it's a triple option. So these guys that have like w- when you have a talent differential between one team and another. And I love our armed services and, and shout out to them for doing what they do. You, you hit on a good thing with the transfer portal and I'll hit on that in a second, but uh, to the talent level and the speed, you got speed at linebacker and speed on the D line. You can really shut down the triple option a lot easier than you could a few years ago, just because the players are so much bigger and so much faster. And then couple that with, it's the first game of the year. They're ready for it. And, and they've been getting ready for this for three weeks now. In, in spring practice and up to that, this is going to be our first game. It's on national TV. I mean, every game on Notre Dame is on TV, obviously. But Sam Hartman, I mean, he was a, he was a sleeper for me. I mean, I'm not going to say sleeper because he's been getting hyped. You know, I, I really like the kid. Uh, four TDs, 251 yards, no no picks, 19 for 23. We we're going to get to see them him play a better competition, but. You know, shout out to Notre Dame. They, they took care of business. Yeah, he. I think you were going to say it looked like a walk in the park for him. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I, don't think, I don't think a game whenever you go over to Dublin and, and you know, you got all – I mean, is any game with Notre Dame a walk in the park whenever you got that exposure and you're a transfer? So I was going to say walk in the park, but, I mean, it, he made it look easy. He did. No, the game itself isn't, of course, but the way it looked as you were watching it, he made every read correctly, it felt like. You could tell he was a superior talent to what Navy had to throw out. It just it almost felt like they were playing an FCS team. It felt like they were playing one of those cupcake teams that 
big teams play. And I hate to say that because so I don't like to say anything that is downplaying the service academies, man. But they don't get transfers. You know, the, the, it's, it's like it's almost being left behind with our uh, service academies because you're not going to get transfers because you know these, these guys are getting their education paid for totally. And it's not really totally a scholarship because they have to uh, serve after the fact. I mean, there are some exceptions, obviously. Um, I think we had an exception this year. A guy that came out of Army. I can't remember his name. He was a defensive end or played outside linebacker. Did he end up getting that exception? Kind of digressed a little bit. I'll have to go back and find out. I think he was a uh, – I know who you're talking did he end about. Up being, did, did he end up being a first-round pick or second-round no, pick maybe? I don't remember where he went. I can't remember his name. I know who you're talking about. He did get – He's a high draft picks. pick. Yeah. So, so sometimes they, they have exceptions. I mean, obviously, David Robinson went to the Naval Academy, and, and, and we, we saw how that he got an exception, didn't have to serve for his professional career, all this stuff. You know, you're not going to get transfers. The, the transfer portal is basically null and void, and, and you're, you're operating from a position of weakness. you, you got to get some kind of new age offense in there, in my opinion. Um, I know we don't want to spend a ton of time on that, but I, I just feel like Navy, I mean, the triple option, I've been using it for years. It, I, th- I think it's run its course. I'd agree. It's tough, and I see why they use it, but let's move on. You said the game that you liked the best over the weekend was Louisiana Tech and Florida International. I didn't get to see I, much of that game, but why don't you give me a little bit of rundown? I was watching San Diego State and Vanderbilt. You were talking about the Louisiana Tech-Florida International game, which yeah, ended up I thought Louis- that – yep, go ahead. Louisiana Tech ended up winning 22-17. But I know you said that was kind of your favorite game that you watched over the weekend. We, we have so much to talk about. We, we can't even wait for each other to finish here. We're trying to jam everything in here. So I think that's kind of funny. Uh, you know, and it's just week zero. So we're, we're going to have uh, we're going to have some fun with this thing. But, yeah, I think I mentioned on the pod before that La Tech and FIU was, you know, it looked like a horrible matchup. And I, I think I said, you know, why would anybody, you know, we, we both were like, or, or I think you said, why would anybody watch this game? I think they were like two and six in conference, both those teams. And I'm like, yeah, but if, if you have two really crappy teams, you could get a good game out of it. And I think that's exactly what we saw with La Tech and FIU. La Tech seemed to be extremely overrated as far as what the spread was. Way too much love given on that. It was like a game that I would not have bet on because it was such a sleeper of a game. I don't have, have games where, you know, FIU is leading most of the game and La Tech had to come back and La Tech was supposed to win by 12 points. So it's like, you know, I never bet on games like that because I'm not that good. Uh, and then also the under was just like, I mean, you're done by the second quarter, basically. And I don't have games on that either. Obviously, I couldn't pick that out. But all in all, it was a pretty good game. I mean, it was competitive it was the best game of the weekend as far as from a competitive standpoint in my opinion yeah it was i know people probably like well the vanderbilt hawaii game was pretty close too look vanderbilt was up big and just kind of let hawaii come back and score as the game went on it got in the fourth quarter i was watching that one a decent game i timmy chan's the head coach of hawaii now and he was a great quarterback in hawaii set the all-time passing yards record in a season while he was there i does not stand anymore, but I wanted to see what that was because it was such a blowout last year and see with their new coach. But it was a big deal whenever he broke that record. That stood for a long time. I remember that. Yeah, it stood for a while. The way the games play is a little different now. The one thing I did want to hit on on that game, I don't want to get too much into it just because it's Vanderbilt Hawaii. 
Hawaii and Timmy Chan were very content on playing a slow pace of game to try and not let it get out of hand. The quarterback from Hawaii went to the sidelines on in between every play to get the play call and then came back to the huddle. I don't remember the last time I saw that or like sending using a wide receiver and switching them out every player running back to bring the plays in because it's all headset and it's all sideline signals. Now it was very unique to watch. Yeah. I'm going to be honest. I did not get a chance to really watch the game. There's just so much you you shouldn't have watched baseball and everything. I did not get a chance to really watch the game, but I will say um, for, for Hawaii having the valiant effort that they've had to try to close that gap because I guess Vanderbilt was up from what you were saying and for them to come back, just with everything that those guys are going through with guys in Maui. I mean, it's just a bad situation with what's going on in Hawaii with the fires and such. Yeah. So for them to be able to get it together and, and really rally around something's pretty impressive. Yeah. I was happy for him. It was good to see. And I guess the last game that we should hit on or we can yes, keep sir. going on college football. <laughs> U.S. I mean, I can go on college football, but there's not a lot of games. So we're, we're pumped. If everybody knows, we're, we're we're pumped, and it's just week zero. I'm glad they I, call it week zero. I was so excited, man. I was watching those games from one o'clock in the afternoon to midnight. I was falling asleep trying to watch Vanderbilt just because I finally had some college football, and I love it. But DB, you, you text you text me like at eight in the morning my time. It was like we're ready, we're going. <laughs> I, <laughs> I love it. Man, I was pumped, man. I love it, and I'm like, oh, I better, I better turn the, I better turn the boob tube on here to to, to get into this thing, man. I, I, I'm excited too. I started catching it. It's great. You do, and like sometimes you don't catch it until you start watching the games for some people, and then once the first game comes on, you're like, oh, I'm in it. I'm in it. I love it. Uh, my phone, I had a bunch of buddies we were texting and different things. It's fun and met some friends and watched a few of the games. And oh, I just love this time of year. So, so fun. I hope, I hope everybody on the pod can like relate to this. And they're this excited. Like we are this excited because we, we are excited about this, man. It, it's, it's, it's really cool. It's, uh, you know, we're not, we're not talking about the, you know, the dog days of summer in June and July where we're talking about tennis, which we loved our, we loved us some Wimbledon, but like, let's not get, let's not get it sideways. But I mean, this is, this is football. This is America, America, baby. This is, we're, we're going down here and, and we're loving it. It's only going to get that much better with the NFL starting. Uh, we're ready. Before we hop into the USC game, I'm going to make one tennis comment. And this is about as long as we're going to go on tennis today. The U.S. Open, the final Grand Slam of the year, starts Monday, August 28th. Christopher Eubanks does have a good draw. That's all we're going to say. We're not going to get into tennis. There's too much football. There's too much other stuff that we love as well. But we'll give you little updates on that. We won't be too into it, as we've said before. We're no tennis experts, but we enjoy watching it, and especially we enjoy Wimbledon. But I mean, damn, this is another thing that i got to put on the calendar to watch. Wow, we're so spoiled over here. <laughs> oh, I love U.S. It. Open? Come on now. U.S. Open, hard courts. Let's see. Hard courts, baby. Hard courts. Let's yeah, see. Ben Shelton and Eubanks got favorable draws. So two good Americans rolling. Cool. But anyway, man, Caleb Williams came out, looked good. He threw for 278 yards, four touchdowns. They ended up getting some backups in. But, man, the 90 – I think it was a 96-yard kickoff return for a touchdown really changed the way the game was. San Jose State – had the I think had the lead when I tuned in it was seven seven in the second quarter it was kind of close and in the second half USC just 
asserted their dominance and took over the game. For a while, it looked like they were going to cover the 35. They did not. 35 is a big number to cover anyway. So that doesn't matter. That doesn't change anything. They gave up a couple a garbage time touchdown to blow the cover. If you took the 35, come on, what are you doing? But the over did hit. And as you as we said too, probably a team over, the team over also hit. Uh, we weren't too bad on our picks on the, the ones that we thought were the solid plays and the plays that we told you to, that you would probably take the San Diego State, the USC over game. Those were kind Notre, of our Notre Dame, ones. Notre Dame, the, Notre Dame under. Yeah, I was about to say you had the Notre Dame under. Those were the big ones that we had. Those looked pretty good. Uh, I think we overpicked games just because it was week zero and we started doing it and got a little excited. We'll narrow it down to probably our top three picks every week on what we're going to have. So we'll give you those as we move forward as well. Yeah, I think I was pretty clear that I would not have really touched the points in either of those games. But if I had to, just because it was week zero, I kind of threw out there. I think I went one and one, I believe. I think I hit the Notre Dame covering, but also uh, the USC. I would have probably taken the 35, but I didn't like that. Uh, It was a little bit of controversy with the, you know (laughs) – I don't know if you could call it controversial, but uh, the onside kick at the end. Uh, and then also, you know, Caleb Williams coming out so early, I didn't expect him to come out as early as what he did. I thought that USC would want to put on a show. But Zachariah Branch, man, I mean, he had the the 96-yard kicker off return for a touchdown. He also, I believe, caught a touchdown, I think, in the game. Five-star yeah. recruit. I don't know if that kid has the position. I think that kid is just basically whatever they need him to be. Wherever he can go on the field and however they can get the ball in his hands, he's kind of reminiscent of how Debo Samuel had been for the 49ers until they got Christian McCaffrey. Just anywhere we can line up to get the ball in your hands because you're an electric athlete and player and can score from anywhere. And I think that's kind of what they're doing with him. Yeah, so it's kind of really cool because, you know, USC historically loves their big possession wide receivers. And they've got a couple on the team right now that are 6'6", that are big. That's USC football. I remember the Mike Williams, the Keyshawn, even going all the way back to Keyshawn Johnson. You know, they like their big prototypical wide receivers. And to have a guy that they're actually kind of moving around and putting him in the slot, doing some things with, and he's able to be electric and being a kickoff returner, it's almost like he's Reggie Bush size. I think he's only 5'10". I mean, he is a small guy, uh, you know, especially seeing him in the USC Trojan Trojan uniform uh, lining up at the wide receiver position. I mean, it's almost unheard of that, that at the wide receiver position, you, you got a guy that small because they like their big wide receivers. And so it's cool to see USC – changing a little bit and putting him in the offense he's a freshman he was a five-star recruit the guy is electric though I mean he just like what you said you got to get this kid the ball and Caleb Williams is going to figure out a way to get this kid the ball and it's going to be fun it's going to be really fun okay so before we move on from college football talk I told you I had a question for you I wasn't going to let you know what it is so as you're watching these games, they have the weirdest TV shows advertised for these games. One of them was like, is this a snake oil product or not? With David Spade, new TV show. The celebrities are replicated on Mars, living on Mars and doing all this. 
I see all these TV shows. By the end of the season, I know exactly what they all are. I can't ever remember watching any of them. It got me thinking because it feels like it's different shows every year. And there are these weird shows that they advertise. Does anybody watch them? Do you ever tune in and watch them? Are you talking about the commercials specifically? Yeah, all the commercials because these channels are advertising for their fall TV shows. Do you ever watch any of them? Do you I'm going to be honest. I'm going I'm I'm to be honest. Before we started doing this, there's just with, with you know, everybody in here probably knows that, you know, I love baseball and I'm a big MLB guy. It's hard to fit the college football in with the MLB that, <laughs> that I'm watching. I'm flipping constantly. I'm, I'm not on. I'm not even watching commercials, really. I'm flipping back and forth trying to figure out, just try to consume as much stuff and see as much stuff as I can to try to impart my, I'm not going to say knowledge, but I mean, my takes on things. I want to I give it to everybody. So I'm not watching commercials, honestly, bro. Like, I just, I, it just doesn't happen. I'm flipping back and forth to other games. And when it goes to commercial, it's like, oh, let me, let me go in here and see, see, see who they have pitching in, in the seventh inning. You know, like, I mean, baseball's getting exciting right now. I mean, I think that's a good segue for us to finish up the college football deal and move into a little bit of baseball. But, I mean, baseball's getting exciting. I mean, the AL West has totally been flipped. I mean, I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, but I, I – there's just so much to watch. I, I mean, I think it's an awesome time. Okay, yeah. All right, well, you don't see those commercials. We're going to get into baseball then. I see them <laughs> Sorry. I, sometimes I'm gambling on the game, and I just don't want to change the channel. I'm like, I don't want to miss something right, right now. I'm right right by a cover, right where I need to be. And I see the, those weird commercials. I'm like, who in the hell watches these shows? And well, I mean, I, I feel like we all lean to our own things, right? Like, you yeah. know, you know me, how much I love baseball. And, and I, I think it's safe to say that that you would say that I, I probably watch way more baseball than like you do. And you're more of an NCAA guy that like, you know, watches way more NCAA. I mean, maybe not way more, but I mean, we watch, but I mean, we all go to what we're drawn to. And, you know, like, I, I think that's fair to say, like, you definitely uh, you know, are more inclined with NCAA and you're, you're betting on games and, and I'm just a village idiot kind of like, you know, I, I know football, but I mean, I'm like, eh, you know, I, I want like, who, 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 who's Detroit putting in, in the eighth inning here, bud. Oh no, I got, I got you. The village idiot comment got me rolling. <laughs> yeah. Let, let's go right into it. And, who Detroit's putting in the eighth inning. I think it was a pitcher in the ninth inning they put, and the Astros hammered him a little bit. Oh, man. Wow, yeah. yeah. Astros just putting up a huge number, I think 17 runs today. Uh, they That's were giving up 17 on Thursday. Uh, yeah, exactly. It's like feast or famine going on here. They had a couple different position players that Detroit put in after the back. They, they, they raised the white flag. I think, he, I think uh, the guy that came in was throwing like, you know, it's funny to watch these position players. It doesn't happen very often at this level. Uh, it's funny because we're sitting here watching with Jen, and she's like, "Is there is, is there is there a mercy rule in professional?" And I'm like, "Hey, babe, there's no mercy rule in professional baseball here." But there, there we might need to talk about it. It happens a few times a year, but to watch the position player come in throwing 54 mile an hour, uh, you know, changeups, you know, throwing their 70 mile an hour fastballs which throws everybody off for a loop. I thought Jordan Alvarez was going to finally, you know, break the trend that he's been in with not, I mean, he's in a drought right now as far as hitting a home run, but it did not happen. He laced one down the right field run. Not going to spend too much time on it. I will say Justin Verlander, 100th win 
in what, what stadium is it, it? It's not Comiskey anymore. It's not uh, Comiskey. Comiskey was Chicago. It was Tiger. Oh, stadium. not Comiskey. Sorry, it's Tiger Comerica stadium. Park. Comerica. Um, it's a beautiful a stadium. If you ever get a chance to go, walk around it. The outfield is really nice. They've got different statues of different players. They've got Ty Cobb, Al Kaline. Some of the Tiger greats are out there as well. No Cecil Fielder, but, you know. A hundred wins, though, in that ballpark for Justin Verlander. Pretty cool. He's a great pitcher. I know there were some texts going back and forth in our uh, personal (laughs) text about Verlander with the Astros. I don't know if we got time for that. Maybe maybe we save that for for the the next time he gets. I don't know if we got time for it, but we should. We gotta let everybody know what the (laughs) conversation was. And I mean, maybe maybe we get some emails before we talk about it, maybe, and take the temperature of everybody here. Go ahead, PJ. Is Verlander the greatest pitcher in Astros history of all time with his accomplishments? as an Astro compared to anybody else. The four World Series appearances, the two World Series rings, the 300 strikeout season, the two Cy Young Awards. It's a sh- it's really not a lot of time that you've seen. The full seasons that he's had with the Astros. Hit us up, DM us or something, let us know. We can get into it a little bit more. But this started a, a long chain of texts with me, you, and uh, another one of our buddies that we love to – basically, somebody's always got to play devil's advocate in that in that text chain and make sure the argument keeps going. We, we, we've got a few sounding boards we throw, out, throw, throw things out. I'm not going to tell you my opinion on the fact yet. Let's, let's let other people come in. Hopefully, we get some emails, maybe some text or some Instagram stuff on if they would really uh, – you know, with, with all the Houston fans out there, if they would uh, – what, what they think. Uh, it'd be interesting. I don't, I don't think we have time for it today, but uh, let's hit it up next time and uh, come back around. Hopefully we hear from from some of the listeners. Yeah. Well, anyway, the Astros and Tigers did have a three-game set after the Astros split two and two with the Reds. And the Astros, they got the series win. That's what they needed to do. Uh, they pulled Fromber. He was pitching a no-hitter, but he had 114 pitches after seven innings. It was just tough to keep a man, man. Oh, we're talking, we're ta- we're talking Saturday's game, yeah. Without that was uh, Friday night's game. Saturday night, we won two. Hunter Brown pitched. It was his homecoming back in Detroit. He's out of St. Clair Shores. I think he went to Lakeside High School. For anybody who's from there, my family's from that area. My dad's actually from St. Clair Shores, so my family is from that St. Clair Shores, Gross Point area. So they've been following him for a while. It was good to see him go home, get a dub for the the good guys, the Astros, and then Verlander come back, get his hundreds win there. I like the tip of the cap when Miggy came up. This can be their last time they ever face off, and they got to face off at Comerica Park, and they both gave each other a tip of tip of the cap, acknowledged yeah, that was cool. one another, and they were that was cool. teammates. You know, back to that game uh, on Friday, though. I mean, Fromber just he struggled a little bit for a few games. I mean, I mean, obviously his you know four starts ago, I think he had the no hitter or five starts ago, struggled a, a little bit. He gave up three runs one start, you know, six runs another start, four runs another start. Gets it back together. He really does. Just pitches amazing, and the bullpen just blows it. I mean, they blow it. I mean, in just crazy fashion, hitting that three run bomb. You know, bad luck. 
I'm glad he's starting to turn the corner, though. I really believe – everybody knows I believe in Framber Valdez. I think he's the best pitcher on our staff, even with Verlander. I know there's – everyone wants to love on Verlander, and he's great. But I think Framber is just the man. Uh, I know me and you have had disagreements on, you know, where he's at. I think you, you, you value him a little higher than some of the other people that we talk to on a daily basis. But, uh, you know, Framber's my guy. Um, to see him, you know – just too many pitches to not to, to not be able to finish it. 114. Yeah, and, and it's just everybody's workload is so much more right now. That's that's the thing that the Astros that we always had the pitching, always had pitching to be able to bring up to be able to take on some of the load. And you know we have to kind of regulate these guys. They can't go 120. I mean, you're not going to have an Astros pitcher that's hit, that's that's throwing 130 pitches. I think there was a no hitter. Earlier this year, I think it was was for the Giants. Maybe I can't remember the guy's name. Uh, sorry, but there was another no hitter. And he had gotten Phillies. traded from the Tigers, and he yeah. had a 122 pitch no hitter. Yeah, you're just not going to have that. I mean, the Astros are not going to to let their starters go. Uh, I mean, Verlander at this point, it, it, you don't even want him going at 100 pitches. Really, I mean, 95 is really where you need to be until until the playoffs start. We just really have to manage workloads. And, you know, the Astros have never really been in this position because we've been able to manage workloads because obviously the last month of the season, we, we were kind of coasting into the finish line with the AOS title. This year is not like that. So it's a different oh. dynamic. I think this leads us into where, where we are in the AOS. I mean, it's totally been flipped on its, in its head. I'm not going to say somebody might have said that this team that, that we're about to talk about could have a run. I don't know who that person was wink wink <laughs> but yeah i think they pulled verlander he had 98 pitches in five innings and then they pulled him and he hadn't given up any runs yet only a couple hits the other thing i think for the astros is the astros had more of a long reliever for a long time and now most of our relievers are just one inning guys so i think you know we saw belak come in he can do a little bit more long relieving and graveman can give us a couple innings so i think Hopefully that helps down the stretch. But Well, I think a guy like J.P. France was supposed to be maybe that guy that they brought up that maybe could give you three innings here or there, but he's got to be in the starting rotation because he, ob- ob- obviously the injuries that we've had in the, in the starting pitch, I mean, it all goes downhill. As we talked about in the last the last podcast, with the pitch clock and such, you, you extend these guys and maybe we need more pitchers on the roster if injuries start to hit, and that hasn't gotten to this point, but – it's hard to find quality arms at this time of the season. I mean, just to give you an inning or two, it's tough. That's why you see teams like Detroit, whenever there's 10 runs on the, on the deal, they're giving up. They're putting a position player out there. Yeah. Right? But I think you were getting ready to go right into the Mariners. We're going to – so we don't get wrapped up on the Astros for too, too long here. we got to keep moving. We're finding we're going to have to keep moving a little bit with more sports coming in. We're not going to be as long-winded on everything, and we'll try and get you – all the content, but here we go. What about those Mariners, man? I'll man, let you take it I away. Mean, Julio Rodriguez. I mean, I don't I, – I, <laughs> this is a special player. This is a – I mean, he's a baby, and he's just – he's hit his stride. I mean, it, it, it almost reminds me of Mike Trout. I think I hit this up on the podcast a couple weeks ago, and it's just more than ever. Some of the ball just sounds different coming off of his bat. He is the leader. He's coming into his own. This is like for Astro fans, whenever Carlos Correa started doing his thing. But, I mean, this guy is 
this guy has the potential to be the best player in baseball. It's scary how good he is. You know, the Mariners are hitting on all cylinders, and they've got a really weak schedule down the stretch. I mean, they get to go to Oakland, and we are playing Boston. Yeah, Boston, but they're you – know, I mean, they're coming off Kansas City, and now they're going to Oakland. Their schedule is going to get a little bit harder. But, I mean, they have taken advantage of the skid that the Rangers have had and the Astros going 2-8, and eight, and they just keep winning. And Julio Rodriguez – I mean, it's just amazing watching the kid play. It, it really is. He's so fast. He plays defense. It's just, I mean, I'm just, I'm drooling at the mouth just talking about him, about what I saw today. Had a two-run bomb today. Uh, really pretty much won the game for him. I, I, I don't know what else to say, DB. He's right now, he's the hottest hitter in baseball. I don't know that anybody could disagree with the fact that he looks like he could end up being the best player of baseball over the next few years and the trout comparison i guess is is fair i mean that's i hope he stays healthier than trout i mean trout I came back and, he, and, and he's done i mean he, he he just ended up he played one game and he's gone so they're shutting him down we can get into the the angels i think there's a few things we need to hit on with that with with, with mr all world you know the huge news coming down with that but i mean just going back to julio i i just i I don't know what else to say. I mean, the guy is just—he's the second coming for them of Ken Griffey Jr. I, I'm not saying he's he better ends. defensively though. He's better defensively in the oh, field. Oh man, that's tough. With the, I think he's got a better. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I guess we saw Griffey kind of get some weight on him, and, and whenever there was chicks dig the long ball, he started to not have as much range. But I guess whenever he first came up. He was really – Griffey was really good in defensive – he was a really good defensive player. So, yeah, I, maybe I take that back. He was really good until I think he, he was with the Reds. And he's still, what, the sixth highest paid player on the Reds payroll this season? So, that just tells you how great Griffey was. <laughs> that, that Bobby Bonilla contract, they, they followed it up, right? Oh, they sure did. I think he made $3.6 million this season from the Reds. But I think I think I think the reason they gave him that was you know Bobby Bonilla is still on the payroll for the Mets I think at this point who isn't on the payroll for the Mets right everyone <laughs> everyone you can think of is on the payroll for the Mets just name a player I know I mean somehow they probably have Roger Clemens salary getting paid he's probably getting a quarter million a year they just pay people to pay him at some point as you brought up the Angels man Mike Trout got shut down comes back for one game he's done. It sucks to see that Trout has been so good and just now just can't stay healthy. Trout is just, it's crazy. He just, I mean, Trout just feels like, I don't know if he's just, they're trying to rush him back. If he's not getting fully healthy, they don't want to sit him too long. I, I don't know what's going on there. It just feels like he's getting hurt way too often. It, it hurts to see it, to be honest with you. Because yep. you know how electric he is and how much fun to watch when he was on top of his game and doing everything. So I don't know that he's ever going to get back to that player. I don't know that he'll ever be the best player in baseball again. But I think Trout at 60 or 70% is still better than most. And that's the reason why he's probably getting rolled out quick. Yeah, I mean, this goes into the whole big injury news for the Angels. Like, how are they managing injuries? Because, obviously, news came down this weekend about Shohei Otani moving into free agency. 
They went all out. We've all talked about it. Shohei has been dealing with arm fatigue, quote unquote, arm fatigue for the past five starts. And they seem to be just dead set on rolling him out there every time. And the next thing you know, boom, the shoe drops, UCL tear, which I think it's going to have to be Tommy John at, at this point. I would not be surprised. He's getting other deal or other uh, assessments done. Uh, he's getting a second opinion. He had the uh, Tommy John, I think it was in 2017, maybe, or 2018. It was right after he came up. He missed an entire year. He still managed the DH, and he was still hitting. And it's just a weird situation. But what the hell is going on with the Angels and managing injuries? Because this is something that can really be a stigma on a franchise. If you can't take care of superstars like Mike Trout and Shohei Otani, there is a problem, and not a lot of guys are going to want to come play for you. Yeah, I don't know if they're shutting him down completely. I did see one report that said he was going to bat still. Yes. Is that correct? I see that. I think that's what they're going to go with. I mean, yeah. they're, they're all in, and they're going to they're gonna lose him. Obviously, in free agency, they went all out, and but he's still going to bat. And he did bat while he was rehabbing in 2017, whenever he had 20 – I think it was 2018 or 2017. I can't remember. Apologize. But uh, he did DH, and he played – dual roles, but this also comes, I mean, this is a bigger deal though, because Shohei is so good at the plate and it is this dual role thing starting to rear its dirty head. We have yeah. not had a player like this. If he's breaking down, I mean, this guy's a 50 home run a year guy. So it's not like you're like, Oh, well we, he's got a pitch and we need to rush him back. You rush him back with this and you know, we still want him to hit at some point. Does he become a reliever, I've heard, you know, whenever he comes back to limit his pitching? You know, there's so many things out there that of unknowns, and we just don't know what we're going to get. But how do you not manage this guy's innings whenever his arm is tired? If they're saying arm fatigue over a month, you cannot just roll the guy out there because you're going to lose him in free agency. I disagree with it. Some of the, the stuff that the, the Angels have been doing just just – seeds of desperation i start to wonder you know is this the problem with mike trout because mike trout's been dealing with this stuff for two years and i really don't know i'd love to hear your opinion on it i don't know what's going on in their locker room there i don't even know why otani's batting he was oh for four today with two strikeouts he's got the ucl tear like you said it's supposed to be tommy john surgery i have no desire to watch him bat right now. I mean, I do. He's amazing to watch at the plate, but I don't want it to cost him anything in his career. If he's going to need surgery or anything that he needs repaired, I'd rather him go do it now. Don't risk further injury and making a further complication. I don't want it to screw up his career for the long term by trying to stay in and bat while this thing is torn. I don't know what kind of – I've never had a UCL tear. I'm not a doctor. I don't know a whole lot about it. I don't know anything about it. But it, it sounds serious enough. I mean, this, is, this is the Lance McCullers injury. This is, this is what we're dealing with here. I mean, this is the same thing. Okay. So, if you're asking me, it's Tommy John. If that's what the surgery's got to be, I don't think I want the guy batting. But if I feel like I'm going to lose him, what do I care? If I'm going to lose him in free agency – Maybe I do roll him out. Maybe I do put as, as much pressure on everything as I can 
and the next team that gets them has to deal with it. It's kind of screwed up, but if I'm the Angels, I think that's what that could be with their mindset. This is just crazy because Shohei Otani is baseball right now. I mean, he's got New Balance commercials. He's got everything going on. I mean, he is baseball. I mean, if you were going to say who's baseball right now, whenever like the steroid era, Barry Bonds was baseball for a time. Ken Griffey Jr., the kid, was baseball. This is Shohei Otane's time. This is him. He's got, you know, he's the most marketable player in the league right now. This is baseball star. This guy's bigger than a franchise. It's just crazy to me to see how it's went down. And if you're going to treat that guy, that, the guy that raises all boats, kind of like the Tiger Woods effect, so to speak. I mean, he is that in baseball right now. Like, he's making everybody else more money because he's going to get this crazy contract. And he's bringing marketability to the game. It's like the Tiger Woods effect. I don't know if you would agree with that totally with me, but right now, Shohei Otani is doing that for baseball. And if they're just like, well, you know what? We're losing him anyway. We're just going to keep him trotting him out there. I just, it's, it's unbelievable to me. I, I don't know. I'm at a loss. It makes me feel bad because maybe Trout's agent is thinking, you know, hey, you know, if he's doing this to this guy, I mean, maybe this is what's been going on with us for, for so many years. You know, I wouldn't be surprised. So we'll see how it goes. And uh... yeah, I just hope it works out. Um, in the final news from the ALS, I know this is where we just decided to go into tonight. We were going to get into more MLB, but we got into our favorite division because our favorite team's there. The Oakland Athletics are now the first team to be officially eliminated from the postseason. There are other teams we know aren't going to make it, but they are now <laughs> mathematically eliminated from the first team to be mathematically eliminated. I love what you did there, bringing the, bring, bring, bringing the A's in there. I thought you were going to go something totally different, like the Rangers finally lost in like 11 innings. And the Astros are getting closer, even though the Mariners have taken over first place in the division, which I was I mean, watching, you know, not to digress, but we're going to talk about the AOS. But it's just funny how you brought that in there because uh, to talk about Oakland, because it is obviously our favorite division, but it's also the division that has the most shit going on right now. I mean, the Mariners are now in sole place in, in first place. And I watched the broadcast and it looks like their fans just won the World Series. Yeah. Which is amazing to me. <laughs> There's no other division that has a three-team race going on. Two of the teams are fighting for the wild card spots. Everybody's jockeying for position there and fighting back and forth. You have three teams within one game of first place of the, of the division. Two of the other teams are going to be in the wild card. So it's not going to stop for the rest of the season. And it's just going – this is how it's going to be. Actually, I take that back. The the Astros are officially out of the wild card race. They no, we're, not, we're still in the wild card. We're, oh, we're still in the wild card. Yeah, I, I looked at this stat wrong. I'm sorry. Yes, the Astros are the third team in the wild card. Which actually, if we're going to make a wild card, if they if the Astros are going to make a wild card, that might be a better draw for them so they don't have to go up against Tampa. But we can get into that in a different podcast. But, yeah, the AL West is the wild, wild west. Not throwing the puns out there. But, I mean, it is amazing what's going on. But I do find it funny that the Mariners fans are literally, like, you know, there was a lot of hype in the beginning. I mean, I, I work with a Mariners fan at my real job, and uh, he, he told me two months ago that the Mariners were done. They were not going to do anything. And I said, oh, whoa, 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 hold on real quick. 
this team's got a lot of talent and they got a lot of talent that is untapped and not living up to expectations. And, uh, you know, but I think it's funny that now the Mariners fans are like, we're winning the World Series or we, we I mean, them, them getting the division lead is like them winning the World Series right now. And I thought that was funny. That was one of my takeaways that I had. Uh, the bullpen for the Rangers, though, is just imploding right now. I mean, it doesn't matter who seems the that that the Rangers run run out. Araldis Chapman gave up another uh, ninth inning. Uh, they've switched back and forth between Will Smith, uh, the lefty who's on who's on the Astros rotation. He actually got left off the postseason rotation, uh, the postseason bullpen uh, because we didn't really need him last year because we were so deep. Araldis Chapman, I mean, he's always had the problems with the walks. He gave up another one today with the Twins. Their bullpen is just an absolute mess. We'll see how that is during down the stretch. But like I said before, it's it's a better deal if uh, the the Astros end up in the the final wild card because they get to play Minnesota as opposed to playing Tampa Bay. I'm still holding out hope that they just left playing Kansas City. I mean, they're playing some of the worst teams in baseball, and they're they keep winning. They were winning against good teams, and they're winning against bad teams. Yeah, they're still nine and one in their last ten games. Every time you look at it, no matter how many games they play, they seem to just be nine and one in their last ten. And if you're going nine and one over ten game stretches in the MLB, you are going to be very, very good. And there's yeah. no other way to say it. I mean, it just is what it is. There, I know you loved your boys in pinstripes. They were clearing the benches this week against the Tampa Bay Devil Rays over the weekend. Brandon Lowe from the Devil Rays kind of called them out. Or I guess the Rays, sorry, not the Devil Rays anymore. Um, not the Devil Rays, yeah, not the Devil I, Rays. That's one of those ones I, I think I'll always screw up. He kind of called him out. He said, look, we're not looking in the rearview mirror at last place teams. We're here to make the playoffs. We're in a playoff run. We're trying to win a World Series. We're not concerned about last place teams. They need to quit throwing out our guys. They hit uh, one of their players in the head. They hit a few of them today. I think they hit three or four different Rays players today, and – there was multiple times the bench is cleared, but in typical fashion, there's no fights. They just clear the benches, yell at each other, and somebody might get ejected. But it was just funny to see he called them out and said, we're not worried about last place teams. He got on my bandwagon, baby. We ain't worried about last place teams up in New York. Yeah, the Yankees are an easy target right now. You you would think the Yankees would have this amount of fight to actually win baseball games. Uh, Aaron Boone has lost the team. I don't really know if it's an Aaron Boone problem. It, it definitely falls on the manager. And uh, if you're having these guys get all rifled up with uh, whenever they're losing, it seems like it's starting to boil over. Uh, this team's not a good baseball team. It just it just isn't. And Aaron Judge is not enough because he's not healthy enough right now to carry the team like he did last year. So I think that's what it goes down to. Carlos Rodon had a better start. He's been pitching better as of late which is better because he couldn't pitch much worse, especially considering the contract they gave them, they gave him in this off season. But I think that the pitching is going to be okay with Cole and Rodon moving forward, as long as Rodon can stay healthy, but this team is not a good baseball team. They don't do nope. fundamental things. They don't, they, they don't do the small things to win. That's all we got for the Yankees, man. Last play. <laughs> Love that. That is what it is there. The Brewers are, Hot. They're on an eight-game win streak. The NL is not changing much. We're not going to get too much into it. Let's let's get into just the NFL just for a quick minute, and we'll wrap it up with that golf. 
the one thing I do have to say, your Cowboys made the trade. I think it is absolutely an irrelevant trade. A guy who couldn't win a backup spot or even basically a third string spot with the 49ers and Trey Lance. I think the biggest news on Trey Lance to me, okay, he went to the Cowboys, doesn't move any kind of needle. He's, I guess, a backup there. Maybe they didn't like Cooper Rush. Maybe they were hoping for Trey Lance. But the picks the 49ers traded away to get Trey Lance, you know, the three first rounds and the second rounder, yielded Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddell. They got an all-star cast in Miami, and they got the best wide receiver duo in the NFL in Miami for Trey Lance in the long run. Now he's a Cowboy, and he was not worth any more than a fourth-round pick. 49ers gave up a lot to get this guy and got hardly anything in return. I mean, we're but lucky. I know you want to talk about the Cowboy aspect of it, so I'll let you go into that. I don't really want to talk about the Cowboys. Like I said earlier in the pod, I think it, it behooves everyone to talk about this because you, you have an opinion on the Cowboys, just like we have it all an opinion on the Yankees, and we all have an opinion on Notre Dame football. Uh, we're trying to reach the most listeners here, and these are things people want to talk about. Uh, if this happened to somebody else, it would be a, a headline, but we wouldn't be talking about it. I mean, we've seen all the way from Dak might be losing his job, which is an absolute ridiculous take, to this is absolutely meaningless, which I also think is an absolute ridiculous take, too, because it's somewhere in between, as we all you know, have come to see, these things normally are. And that's, I'll attack this from a few different angles. First thing being San Francisco – they're a really good football team, even with this and this disaster, even with them whiffing on Solomon Thomas and like all of this thing, all of these things. Thank God they're not actually as 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 somebody who roots for the Cowboys, particularly and, and another NFC team. Thank God they have not hit on most of their things and things haven't worked out because this team might be unbeatable at this point. I mean, they basically gave up three first round picks and then traded away Trey Lance for a fourth round pick. This is maybe one of the worst trades in NFL history. We're looking back at it. Uh, if you look at it strictly from a value standpoint and San Francisco is still really damn good because they've got a really good football team. They've built it right. Kudos to them. So they might be running away with shit if they weren't, but I will hit on this. The things people are talking about, about Trey Lance, that he's taking Dak's job. No, he's not. This is not about Dak. This, the, the, now, is this about maybe, in my opinion, applying a little bit of pressure to get Dak's contract redone and maybe for a little bit less money than what he really wants? Yeah, I think it is. I think it gives them a plan to possibly, you know, hey, Dak, we're not going to give you the highest paid deal. And if we don't, oh, well, what are you going to do? Dak says, what are you going to do? Bring Cooper Rush out there? You're going to sit there with your dick in your hand? No. We've got Trey Lance, a guy that's 20 years old or that was drafted at 20 years old. He's 23 years old now or 22 years old, I think, or 23, I think. He's thrown 100 passes for San Francisco, and he's extremely talented. And and you're able to get him for a fourth-round pick. I don't know what the plan is exactly, but I will say the guy has talent, and I'm not willing to say he's a bust right away after throwing 100 passes. I mean, he's he's thrown less than – you know, 400 passes in college and pros combined. I, I don't think I'm willing to, to put a bust label on him right away. I, I think San Francisco needed to move him because they probably were going to get rid of him anyway. 
because they, they have the talent and they believe in Brock Birdie. I mean, we'll see how that works out. You've heard my take on San Francisco. I could see Brock Birdie taking a, taking a, a step back. We differ on that opinion, but we'll see how that works out. But to say Trey Lance is absolute garbage right away, we haven't seen enough, in my opinion. I, I don't know what your take is on that. I don't know that you've seen enough to figure out what he is. I don't think he's going to end up being a starter. He's had so many injuries. He might have a little injury PTSD. I'm not really – I don't know what the heck he is. I know he's got a lot of talent. Everyone says he's got a ton of talent. I haven't been at practices to see it. I, you just haven't seen him on the field enough to know what he is. But I mean, he, he was healthy for one year in college. I mean, he had injury problems before. So, you're, I mean, you're hitting the nail right on the head for sure. I just, but, I mean – is the talent there possibly, but I mean, is this Dak losing his job to Trey Lance? No, it's not. But is this a, an option possibly if they're just like Dak, we can't pay you, you know, $60 million a year, dude. Like, I mean, you're just not worth that because you haven't gotten us to the promised land yet. You know, I think that's, that's, that, that's a possibility, you know, and it gives an option. It, it, the, the reason everyone's talking about this is this is very, very unor, un, unorthodox for the Cowboys to actually make a trade like this because they usually hit on third and fourth round picks. The, the meat and the potatoes of the drafts that the Cowboys have been so good at, it has not ended up with results as far as Super Bowl championships or NFC championships, but they've drafted really well over the past few years. And so to give up a fourth round pick for a quarterback – Whenever you got all this quarterback controversy, I mean, could be a marketing deal. Who knows what Jerry's thinking, but they don't make trades like this very often. And then it's the Cowboys, so we're talking about it. Yeah, I think that's all there is really to say on it. No one knows what he is. And for a fourth-round pick, why the hell not take it? Lottery ticket. Fuck it. That's actually a great way of putting it. I've never thought about it like that. That is a great way of putting it. Here. You traded a lottery ticket for him. You, you traded a fourth-round pick. You got a lottery ticket. If it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. All picks are meaningful in the NFL. They got a fourth and a fifth-round pick, and their the fifth-round pick is a pick swap for their sixth-round pick. Essentially, it's a fourth-round pick and a pick swap. It's just interesting to see an offensive lineman traded right now, two weeks before the season starts. I just feel like you don't see a lot of trades two weeks before the season starts, and we just got two of them. I think you're seeing this happen more and more at all uh, after the draft. I mean, no. the draft was normally whenever it happens. I think the NFL is changing a little bit, which is good. I mean, we like to talk about trades. I mean, obviously, it's never going to be like like the NBA trade deadline where, where, where you get superstars moving all over the place. Um, but – I don't know. I think it's good for for the NFL. It gives everybody something to talk about. Yeah, I think let's let's move on. Let's get into golf because this is really going to be the last time we're going to talk about golf until the Ryder Cup. Not for a long time after that. There won't be much, but we'll be pretty football heavy for Wednesday's episode. It's like a two man show basically between him and and and, uh, and Xander Shoffley. Yeah, Hovland nine under in his last round at the BMW Championship to come out felt like came out of nowhere to win. Seven under, he was he was in the lead this week, but seven under to hold off Shoffle, who was six under today. So 61 and 63, what, 2.1 million? I'm sure his caddy's pretty happy right now. Go, go. If you're the caddy, you need to go buy yourself something. Hovland was great. 
he had really had struggled with his short game. And you've seen it come around from the beginning of the season to now. He was making putts. He chipped a lot better. I mean, he could not chip. Last year, he was terrible. I bet you chipping and some of the short game stats last year, he was towards the bottom. He's always been up there for driving stats, for driving accuracy, shots gained on approach. To see his short game come full circle now and just a complete 180 of what it was to start the year to now is quite amazing. And he looks the part of everything the FedEx FedEx Cup champion should be and what we expect from the FedEx Cup champion. As you always say, major kudos to him. Every little aspect of it. It was just, it was impressive to watch, to be honest with you. He just never relinquished the lead once he got it. And he just kept going. He finished Friday tied for the lead, finished Saturday in the lead. The weather delays didn't affect him. Nothing bothered him. And he just kept going. I mean, we had – I had Scotty Scheffler. There was – he opened the day first round with three three-putts. He missed a two-footer yesterday. He missed a three-footer today somewhere. He just looked terrible. And I think he just needs to stick with the spider and stick there. Your guy, Rory, did finish in fourth at 14 under. He faked a back injury. Grinding it out. Uh, whoa, 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 whoa. Careful there. Faked a back injury. He, he, had, he had less distance. Let's, I'll let you continue, though. But he faked the back injury. He put in a built-in excuse just in case he didn't win. He was running around the, pra- the practice area on Saturday. Looked completely fine. Charles Barkley called him out to his face. He got a chuckle out of Rory, so we're not really sure. He tweaked his back playing with his daughters. What he said it was a back tweak. We we should cue up the DJ back in the day. You know, where, where you were picking up a kid. Yeah, a large kid. A large kid. <laughs> oh, <laughs> the only God. thing I could think of whenever we were talking about that. But let's move on. I think Rory's a, a, a little less. I don't think he would he would be faking it. But go ahead. I mean, I'm not. I, something didn't. He was running around pretty well. Anyway, I don't want to just. Harp on the guy finishing fourth when Hovland looks so just so dominant. Hovland killed it. Like I mean, the 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 chipping is was amazing. He was all around the greens and stuff, and just just putting it within two feet. Uh, just seeing the growth of the game to see a young guy coming along. I mean, he's going to be a force. He already is a force. Congratulations to him. Uh, I don't want really to get too caught up. I think it's funny that that we both uh, picked guys that have putting issues. And uh, they both were using the uh, TaylorMade Spider. I think we we should all just talk about how this is TaylorMade's fault at this point. Maybe maybe they should try to just switch putters between each other, and maybe they could figure it out with each other's putters. I mean, it's what they did. Them... Rory went to a Scotty Cameron putter. Yeah, it wasn't putted... it wasn't a ma- it was a mallet though, but yeah, it was a mallet, but it's a Scotty Cameron, mm-hmm. and he goes to the Scotty Cameron and putts really well for two weeks. Put, yeah, putted better yeah. than he had. Scotty Scheffler got rid of his Scotty Cameron and went to a TaylorMade, the TaylorMade Spider. Putted, felt like his best two weeks putting this whole year. And then they both switched back and they both looked terrible again. Yeah, I think I like the Stevie Wonder on the green. I'm sure there's been a lot of memes about it. I, I will say one thing that Rory definitely kind of grinded it out a little bit, even without the putter working. A little bit better than Scotty did. That's why I finished a little bit ahead of him. 
but there was really no chance. I mean, the story of the week was between, you know, two guys battling it out. And I think it's a, I think it's a win for the PGA Tour and the FedEx Cup in general, because we haven't really seen during these FedEx Cup champions championship runs. You know, Colin Morikawa was in the lead, tied for the lead after day that, one. That, that, that's kind of what I mean. Yeah. And that's kind of what I mean is, is you had guys that actually – showed up and, and like made a real charge you know normally you see uh, okay it's going to be one of the top three guys and hoblin was number two and started at eight under i get that but he really blew away the field though with uh what he did I, I thought it was good for the fedex cup to have that happen that it wasn't just like a predetermined thing that you know the number one i guess number two did win that i like that this year felt a little different because we didn't have the guys battling it out that were already in the top Three, you know, we had somebody else that charged up, and a few others that that kind of made some moves because other guys faltered. I think it was good for golf. I think it was. A, I think I think the winners here are the guys, the people that are golf fans. I mean, obviously not American golf fans because Hovland won, and uh, you know, kudos to to them. I mean, so I guess that's back to back years that uh, that America does not win the FedEx Cup, which sucks. But try better next time. Yeah, to, and to quote to quote to quote Brooks Kepka, I mean, start the putt online. Hovland's probably the hardest guy to ever root against. He looks like he's so happy playing golf. Mm-hmm. And if you, anybody remembers earlier in the season, he won Jack's tournament, the Memorial, up in Dublin, Ohio. You know how he celebrated his win? He got in his he got in a car or a rental car or whatever, drove an hour, hour and a half to wherever the U.S. Open qualifier was, and was the caddy for his college roommate who was trying to make the U.S. Open through a qualifier. So the very next morning at 7 or 7.30 in the morning, Hovland's on the bag playing caddy for his friend and trying to help his friend make a U.S. Open. His friend did not, played well that day, but did not make it on the longest day in golf, which is 36 holes for the final qualifying spots. There's no other PGA pro who's doing that. There's no other guy doing all of that. We're not seeing people win a tournament and – it's one of the signature or designated events. They keep changing the name on me. They were elevated events or designated events. They're signature events. It's one of the ones with the top purses. He wins that. It's a, it's a big tournament. You get all the top players there because it's Jack's tournament. He gets I mean, his anytime it's Jack's Anytime it's Jack's tournament, I mean, that's golf right there. That's definitely the memorial is a big deal. So Yeah, yeah. and he won that in a three-man playoff against Shoffley and Denny McCarthy. Mm-hmm. It was good to see, and it's one of the most refreshing things. He does live, as he said in his post-round press conference, he does live in Stillwater, Oklahoma, so he does live in America now because he went to Oklahoma State. He's a good guy, man, and he's got to be one of the hardest people to root against. Seeing him do that, I've always liked him, but seeing him celebrate by winning the tournament and driving the hour and a half to go caddy for his college roommate it made you love the guy and just cheer for him even more. We have a, we're pro-American on here. We're not shy about it. We're always rooting for the American guys. But, hey, he's the only golfer ever out of Norway. There's not much golf out of Norway. He's just a feel-good story all around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. this guy is the quintessential not Sergio Garcia of, like, a European golfer. Like this no. is an easy guy. This is, is an easy guy to root for. I mean, he he wins a tournament, jumps on the bag, goes to his college roommate, and like, let's get you to the to qualify for the U.S. Open. I mean, it's a cool deal. It's really cool. I think golf wins. 
it's nice to wrap up golf for the for the season. We're going to have a few podcasts moving forward whenever Ryder Cup starts. Talk just talk about Ryder Cup. I think it's going to be a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and then we're basically done for uh, for for golf for the whole season and uh, waiting until uh, waiting until uh, you know Hawaii. Hopefully Hawaii is in a better better spot as we as we mentioned that about the University of Hawaii. Uh, whenever golf comes around uh, at that time. Yeah, the Ryder Cup pods will be shorter pods. They'll just be specific to Ryder Cup because it'll be in the thick of football season. They might even be live pods while we're watching the Ryder Cup one day. Just decide, hey, it's going to go live for like an hour. If you want to come on and listen, come on and join in, shoot us some messages or something, and we'll, we'll get it. But before we wrap this up, there's one more golf thing I do want to talk about. I've got a fall golf trip coming into place. I don't know if I've talked. I don't think I've talked about this with you at all yet. I don't um, think so. Throwing it on me on the spot here. So I'm going to go to, I got some buddies up in Pennsylvania. I go visit once or twice a year. And somehow I got on a deep Google dive of the oldest golf courses in America. And the oldest continuously played golf course without any redesign to the course or remodification to the course is called Foxburg Country Club in Foxburg, Pennsylvania. They opened in 1887, and it is still the exact same setup and layout as it was in 1887. And it's very inexpensive to play as well. And I just, I something hit me. I was like, fall golf. There's some great golf courses up in that Pittsburgh area and that area. I was like, I got to go play this thing. I got to go do it. And it's reasonable to play. It's like $30 to go play for an 18 hole. Now, I am going to go. This is where I want to get your opinion. If I call ahead, you can rent Hickory Clubs and buy the golf balls for the Hickory Clubs. Use the original sand tees that you make on each tee box and play the course as it was originally intended to be played in 1887. Or you can just take your normal clubs and go out there and see how you play. I don't know what to do. This is where I'm getting lost on what to do. Do I play nine hole? This is a nine hole course. So do I just play nine holes with the hickory clubs and then go to my regular clubs? Do I just play my regular clubs the whole way? I, I don't know that I'm going to play it twice. I, I, I think I, th- I think you got to take advantage of the uh, uh, of the of the situation that that no one allows you to do that. So yeah, absolutely. I, I would play it old school, and then uh, especially with it being a nine-hole course, no doubt. I think it's a no-brainer. I think you play it old school with the hickory clubs and the uh, you're, you know you're making your own tees basically. Uh, I think you do that, and then uh, you try to beat your score with the uh, the big boy clubs. Maybe maybe you're surprised, and we I think we'd love to hear about how that works out. Yeah. So you thinking it's a nine and nine kind of setup? Absolutely, nine and nine. Replay it one hundred percent. Yeah, so it's thir- I think it's thirty one dollars for eighteen holes with a cart. For thirty one dollars, I mean that's like you know not even a night at the bar. So yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's you not even take a advantage happy of that. Exactly, no brainer to me. Yeah, I don't know how much it is to rent the clubs. So if you're playing with your own clubs, it's thirty one. I I'll get you guys the rental prices and stuff, but it just seems too cool. There's no redesign. There's no nothing. It's been open since eighteen eighty seven. This course is 136 years old. That's really cool. We're definitely going to need some Instagram pics on, on you teeing it up. You know, maybe a little video of you uh, building a little sandcastle before you uh, before you whack it with the hickory club. I want to see that. 
Oh, yeah. And I mean, I've only ever played one course that was built in the 1800s, and that was built in 1897, which was Pinehurst number one. And I didn't play that well. I was so in awe of that course being from the 1800s, and there's a horse track by it, and there's all these things, and there's cottages and houses on it, everything else. I took in the golf course way more than I focused on playing golf on that golf trip with my with my buddies. And that was a great time and experience. Only downside was Pinehurst number two was under construction when we got it. It was during the COVID year, but we did get to play Pine Needles and the Women's US Open was there last year. So that was fun. And we played Pinehurst number four. That's the alternate course for the US Open. So the 2024 US Open is at Pinehurst. The opening two rounds will be on Pinehurst number two and number four. And then the final two rounds will just be on Pinehurst number two. Couldn't love that place more. And the the effect and the appeal that I get to go play another course built in eighteen in the eighteen hundreds in America and really for all accounts the oldest course left the way it was intended and can be played the way it was intended in America. I got excited and one of the other courses I did find is there is a golf course in the Bronx, New York, which opened in the early 1900s which is the oldest municipal golf course in america and you can play that for around 50 bucks too me, me and you might need to take a trip up to that and uh you know maybe hit a yankee game up <laughs> well, i paused on the yankee game i was good with that i was thinking more try and play that old course in the bronx and maybe uh get around on one of the beth page courses when it comes time yeah, we could do that too, but we got to hit the Yankee. I mean, I I don't step foot in the Bronx without with without going to, to the Yankee Stadium. So you know me. Oh boy, you got the pinstripes, you got the jerseys <laughs> and the hats. Oh boy, but man, I think we've hit everything. We'll be quick. We'll wrap this up, guys. Thanks for listening. On Wednesday's pod, we will be announcing more of our survive NFL Survivor League, where you pick one team. Each week, once you pick them, they're done for the year. Listen to Wednesday's pod for the details so you can enter. We 100% the winner is going to get a little segment on the pod with us. I know some people have asked to come on, so this is going to be your way to get on. And we'll probably and we'll have another prize for them as well. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter. Send us an email. We're trying to get better on our social media. We're learning the pod and learning the social media. So we're getting better for you. We're going to try and get a little more content for you and thanks for listening yeah as always like like db said hit us up twitter or i guess now x you know we've got a we, we've got a page let's follow us on that survivor thing we're, we're gonna have a good time with it we're gonna have fun we want to hear from you guys and uh thanks for growing with us we appreciate it all right well you guys will hear from us on wednesday be good